Amplify it, stage is clear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, as you have probably noticed so far in this series of messages, um, Jesus told a lot of the stories that we've looked at while he was in a boat. And it worked out pretty good for him, so I thought I'd give it a try. Um, today's unique in in several ways. Uh, one, I don't think I've ever preached in a boat before. Uh, some people I fish with may think I was preaching at them. But um, I rarely, uh, I've never preached in a boat, to my knowledge. I rarely uh, repeat myself when I do a message. Over 38 years, I've tried to be creative and original. Uh, but sometimes it merits repetition. I rarely use other people's stuff, but sometimes that's warranted. And I rarely read stuff to you, uh, extended passages, uh, but again, sometimes that's warranted. So what I'm going to start with today is uh, a story called The Parable of the Fishless Fisherman. And those of you who know me well will note that I'm reading from the 2019 Walleye Guide, all right? So um, not to say I'm trying to gain a competitive edge for the men's retreat, but I'm trying to gain a competitive edge for the men's retreat. Um, so I just want you to to listen and and soak this in as I read through it. The story begins in this fashion. Now it came to pass that a group existed who called themselves fishermen. And lo, there were many fish in the waters all around them. In fact, the whole area, sounds like Michigan, the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes, and they were all filled with fish. And those fish were hungry. Some of us know the exasperation of fishing when fish aren't hungry. That's when we resort to extreme measures like bow fishing and those kinds of things. But these fish were hungry. Week after week, month after month, year after year, these who called themselves fishermen met in meetings and talked about their call to fish. They talked about the abundance of fish. They talked about how they might go about fishing more effectively. Year after year, they carefully defined what fishing means. They defended fishing as an occupation or a source of recreation. And they declared that fishing is always to be the primary task of fishermen. Continually, they searched for new and better methods for fishing. They looked for new and better understanding of the various elements of fishing They said things like, the fishing industry exists by fishing, as a fire exists by burning. They loved slogans, things like, fishing is the task of every fisherman. Every fisherman is a fisher, and a fisher's outpost for every fisherman's club. They sponsored special meetings called Fisherman's Campaigns and the Month for Fishermen to Fish. They sponsored costly nationwide and worldwide congresses to discuss fishing, to promote fishing, and to hear about all the latest developments in fishing. Things like the newest equipment, 
the latest and greatest technology. Potential fish attractants and whether any new baits had been discovered that were particularly effective. These fishermen were so committed, they built large, beautiful buildings called fishing headquarters. The plea was that everyone should be a fisherman and every fisherman should fish. But there was one thing they didn't do. They didn't fish. In addition to meeting regularly, they organized a board to send out fishermen to other places where there were many fish. All the fishermen seemed to agree that a board was necessary, which could challenge fishermen to be faithful in fishing. The board was formed, and those who had a great vision and courage to speak about fishing were recruited. They sought to continually define fishing, to promote the idea of fishing in faraway streams and lakes, where many other different types of fish lived. Also, the board hired staff, and they appointed committees, and they held many meetings, continually looking to define and explain fishing to defend it, to decide what new bodies of water they should target next. But the staff and the committee members didn't fish. Eventually, they decided to build expensive training centers whose original and primary purpose was to teach fishermen how to fish. Over the years, they offered countless courses on the needs of fish, the nature of fish, where to find fish, the psychological reactions of fish to various stimuli, and how to approach and how to feed fish. Those who taught had doctorates in fishology. (laughs) But the teachers didn't fish. They only taught about fishing. Year after year, after tedious training, students were graduated and giving fishing licenses. They were sent to do full-time fishing to some distant waters that were filled with fish. Some studied and traveled extensively to learn about the history of fishing and to see faraway places where the founding fathers did great fishing in the centuries past. They lauded and celebrated the faithful fishermen from many years before who had handed down this vision for fishing. They built large printing houses to publish fishing guides like this one. Presses were kept busy day and night to produce materials solely devoted to fishing methods catalogs on fishing equipment. And they set about organizing programs to encourage meetings for people to talk about fishing. They even set up a speakers bureau that also provided special speakers to travel about and teach on the subject of fishing. They had countless websites and many of the fishermen were very active on all the various social media outlets. Many, many who felt the call to fish responded. They were commissioned and sent out to fish. 
But like the fishermen back home, they never actually went fishing. Some built power plants to pump water for fish. They invested in heavy equipment to create new waterways and revitalize old ones. They traveled to study fish hatcheries of others. Some said they wanted to be part of this fishing party, but they felt their calling was to support those and furnish fishing equipment for those who actually went fishing. Then there were those who who felt their preferred role was to relate to the fish in a good way so the fish would know the difference between good fishermen and bad fishermen. Still others felt like the best thing was simply letting the fish know that they were nice, land-loving neighbors who were loving and kind. After one particularly stirring meeting, at one of the outposts, on the necessity for fishing, one young person felt inspired and left the meeting and actually went fishing. Lo and behold, he reported the next day he'd actually caught a couple of fish. He was honored immediately for his excellent catch and was quickly scheduled to visit all the other meetings possible to tell how he did it. So he quit fishing in order to have time to tell about the experience to others who hadn't had it. He was also placed on the fisherman's general board as a person having considerable experience. Now it's true, lest we seem disrespectful, it's true that many of these fishermen sacrificed greatly to support their local fishing outpost. They put up with all kinds of challenges. Some even lived near the water and had to bear the smell of dead fish. Which if you haven't, that's nasty. Every day, they were exposed to it. Some, perhaps many, received the ridicule of those who made fun of their fishermen's clubs and the fact they claimed to be fishermen, yet never fished. They wondered about those who felt it was of little use to attend the weekly meetings to talk about fishing. After all, were they not following the master who said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Imagine how hurt some were when one day a person suggested that those who didn't catch fish were not really fishermen, no matter how much they claimed to be. Yet it did sound correct. Is a person a fisherman if year after year they never catch a fish? I wonder, does that make anybody else as uncomfortable as it makes me? As many of you know, I do fish a bit as a form of recreation. 
And as a result, I also spend some time interacting with others who do the same. I used to think I was pretty effective with just a spinning rod and a leadhead jig. Interestingly, the less I fish, the less effective I become. Just a thought. There are a couple of sayings that the fishermen that I hang out with uh, like to use. At least I like to use them. If you were on the trip and you didn't catch any fish, you explained it, well, that's why they call it fishing and not catching. <laughs> All right? If you caught a fish every time, you wouldn't call it fishing. It'd be catching. And, and that's you feel better about yourself for not catching any fish. Now, if you didn't go on the trip and your buddies didn't catch any fish, you say, well, sounds to me like you just went for a boat ride. Because <laughs> if you were fishing, you'd have caught something, because I know I would have. Against the backdrop of that parable, I wonder, how do you feel about your God-given calling to be fishermen? It is biblical. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now, I don't want to overstate what that one verse says. But I take that to mean Jesus says to us, come, and if you follow me, I will send you out to fish for people. I don't think it's unreasonable to extrapolate to the point that say, if we say we follow Jesus, we have accepted his calling to fish for people. Something to think about, isn't it? I've shared this just recently, I know, but in Acts chapter 1-8, Jesus is preparing to leave those he's called to fish for people. And he's getting ready to, he's already been resurrected from the grave. Their heads are swirling. And as he prepares to leave them, he said, when my Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. Not if you want to. You will be my fishermen. If his spirit is in us, we've been called and we've been equipped to be his fishermen. And in case you haven't noticed, the streams, the rivers, the lakes around us are full of people who need to meet Jesus. Jesus put it a different way. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, he says, You are the light of the world. Talking to those who are following him. If you're not into fishing, let's go here. He says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and give so it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, In the same way, 
let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Friends, we are called to fish. We are called to be light. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only grumpy old man in the room who will go on a tirade about how dark our world is. The crazy thing is, I can do something about it. I have to be willing to be light. Now, some of you know more about fishing than others. But there are as many different types of fishing as there are fishermen. There are also many different types of fishing for people or sharing our relationship with Jesus and inviting others to follow Jesus. For some Christ followers, it's like they're fishing in a well-stocked fish pond. And I mean, they're catching a fish every time they throw a line out. There are some folks, like me, who don't fish all that often anymore. And then there are others, and I don't mean to put them on the spot. There are others like my wife, who she's going to talk to people about Jesus, whether they want to hear it or not, whether it's convenient or not, not in a rude way, but it's going to come up. She doesn't have to plan a fishing trip. She's just always got a line in the water. All right? You don't have to be like her. You don't have to be like me. You have to be the fisherman Jesus called you to be. And that's good. You don't have to be like somebody else. When I was coming up in the faith and, and because I was going into ministry... I had to go to classes. I had to go to workshops to teach me how to fish. I went to one where I spent a week in a city far from here doing door-to-door evangelism, inviting people to church that I had never attended and would never attend. It was awkward. All right, especially for somebody who's not like me, who doesn't like to talk to people in the first place. But you know what? It was a good experience for me because it stretched me. So what I want you to wrestle with is understand how you're wired. I mentioned, you know, people fishing in a a stock pond. I helped Todd with an event uh, at the Indian Reservation. And you could have caught fish by just looking at the pond. There were so many fish in there. (laughs) They just jump out and land in your bucket. Then some of the folks who fish will know about a fish called the muskellunge or the muskie. It's like a bigger, nastier version of a northern pike. And for many years, it was referred to as the fish of 10,000 casts, which meant if you cast 10,000 times, you might have a chance, in the right waters even, using the right lures, you might have a shot at catching a muskie. I mean, those beasts, they've got to be 40-plus inches to be a keeper. All right? And they got wicked, nasty teeth. But that's another story. Friends, sometimes we're going to fish, and there's no immediate response. 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. Oops, I'm done. I'm tired of being a fisherman. No. That's not an option for us. We're called to fish. You don't have to be someone you're not. 
But you do need, be, need to be willing to let people see Jesus in you. And I, I don't like to say this, especially on a holiday weekend when attendance is low. But friends, it's not even about getting them to come to church here. <laughs> okay? It's about fishing and helping those fish find Jesus. If they come here, that's a bonus. All right? But are we fishing? When was the last time you put a line in the water by just saying to somebody, you know, Jesus, I I haven't figured it all out, but he's making a difference in my life. It's that simple, but it's that hard. No doubt, those of you who fish have figured out your gift. No doubt some of you have not figured out your gift. I'm going to use a slightly different version, but it's called a fish stringer. And that one that you got is a poor man's version because I'm cheap, all right? (laughs) For two bucks, I could have bought one like this for all of you, all right? I think I might have spent two bucks for all of yours, all right? But for those of you that don't know about a stringer, is when you get a fish, you take it and you kind of reach in here. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, 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 oh. All right, we'll try this again. Hey, he went fishing. All right. There you go. All right. It may have been. Some fish don't want to go on the stringer, all right? Sometimes you got to try a little bit, all right? But there's a little spot in the fish that's called their gills. And you slip this in through their gills, and you come out through their mouth, all right? And then you take this end here, and you loop it through there, and you slip it down there. And now your fish can't get away. And then you can put it over here and keep it in the water so it doesn't die before you get home. And it's fresh when you eat it. Now, that was a little complicated for the first time. But then the next fish, man, I worked really hard to keep them alive, and they're doing a great job. All right. So then the next one's a little simpler, if you can hold on to it, is because you just slip that one in, and you don't have to loop it again because that other one's holding it in place. And then, oh, 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 wow, she's a good one. All right. So, that's a big one. Mike caught this one. Um, if you got to catch fish, it's always good to go with somebody who's a good fisherman. All right, so then you slip that one on there, and you just keep going till that's so big you can't lift it out of the water. Okay? Now, I, I, I hope I don't really need to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. All right? Don't try to cram this in somebody's mouth and drag them to church. All right? Just, just to make sure we're clear. All right? 
But in all seriousness, I want you to take this home. And it's empty for a reason. Not that we keep score about sharing Jesus. But if you look at an empty stringer, put it somewhere. If you carried Bibles anymore, I'd say put it in your Bible as a bookmark. But it doesn't, you know, tie it around your phone doesn't have the same effect. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it from time to time. As a reminder that Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers for people. If you're following Jesus, you're called to fish. Going to look different for every one of us. But it looks the same for each of us because we have the same calling. Will you pray with me? Father, it's sobering. And it can be discouraging if we fish and fish and fish, but don't seem to catch anything. But if we're walking in obedience and we're fishing, that's what our Savior asks us to do. Our responsibility is to fish. His responsibility is to determine which fish are going to bite. So, Father, I pray that you will help us to be ever mindful that you loved us enough to trust us with the eternal destiny of the fish that fill the waters that surround us every day. Father, I said this this series is about simple stories and sobering realities. And the reality is, you've called us to be fishermen. You've trusted us to be fishermen. You've sent us your Holy Spirit to live within us so that we would have the ability to be fishermen. You have changed our lives so that we have something to talk about to point people to you. Now, Father, help us to do our part and to go fishing during our everyday normal routines to say, I've met Jesus and he's making a difference in my life because I chose to pursue a real, personal, life-changing love relationship with Jesus. Don't have it all figured out, but I'm working on it. Come join me because he has great things for you too. Help us, Father, as only you can. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Worship team will come back up, and I'll try to get out of the boat. Hope and pray that that's a sermon that you will never, ever forget. Every time you see a fish, I'm praying that you're going to ask yourself, am I really a fisherman? I have never, in the 42 years I've been with my husband, well, I've been with him 50 years, but (laughs) the 42 years we've been married, I have never seen him lose a fish on a stringer, never. 
And it's probably because he practiced so much. I just want you to stand with us and praise God. I know, I know, I know that Jesus Christ is making a difference in many of your lives today. I know that.